the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sadly, many in the church in America today seem to think that their role in Christ is to sit, get fat and lethargic, and do nothing. Well, there's a different command that Jesus leaves us. We'll explore that next here on Way of Grace. For many, Christianity is nothing more than a drive to church on Sunday, a couple of hours there, and then you're done. You call it good. But there is a different call in our lives, as we are seeing here today on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Welcome to our program. We are in John 14, verses 20 through 31. Our theme for the year 2023 is Arise, Move, and Go. Alertness and obedience is what we're focusing on. The primary act of movement is to follow Jesus. With more, here's Pastor Jesse and this edition of Way of Grace. When he says arise, move, and go, is he not bringing them into a level of conflict, but also a level of revelation that will qualify them to tell the world that Jesus is exactly who he said he was? So when you and I are not willing to suffer transformatively, you and I are limiting our capacity to speak for Christ at a deeper level of his revelatory glory. You cannot speak about what you do not know and God honor it. You can't do it. You can just run off at the mouth. And most of us can pick up when you are uh, spouting words without knowledge, darkening counsel without knowledge. Church is full of a bunch of words with no substance in it. That's why we have to fill up church with entertainment and all kinds of activity. And we are not capable of tolerating propositional truth that's essential to the very name Christian. And yet these men have to go through it. So sub, uh, point number one, the Spirit's purpose is to move you. This is such an extremely important reality. Without the spirit of God, you cannot and will not serve him. Would you agree with that? Without me, you can what? Do nothing. It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit. I'm going to tag for a moment the pitiful forms of prayer that you and I engage in. I have to, because we're getting ready to go from the table to the garden, from the preparation of feasting to a posture of prayer. Is that where we're going? You know the linear development of the narrative, don't you? So we're, we're partying right now, eating good, right? Observing kosher food, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus is there. It's all great. He's saying, get up, let's go. They don't even know where they're going. But that's not even the point. Didn't we just learn all they need to do is follow him? That would be indicative of love, would it not? And so they're about to learn something of which... If they were told beforehand, I promise you, Sister Deb, they would not go. They would not go if they knew what they're about to go into. They would not go. They can really learn how to pray. 
They're getting ready to learn how to pray. So like most of our prayers are, Lord, give me. Give me, Lord. Give me, give me, give me, Lord. Right? Or thank you, Lord, for what you gave me. That'll come home in a second. Give me, give me, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you gave me. Very few of our prayers are, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why most people don't pray. Because after a while, and I'm going to be talking about it over the course of the week, over the course of the months, because even in the area of prayer, what God would say to many of us, get up. You're still going in circles, even in your prayer life. You're saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and you're making no progress. You haven't tapped into the well of grace in its enormity to find out all of the things that God wants done, of which if there was an inclination to want to do God's will, you and I would not even have enough time to pray about it. It would be so much. But Jesus is about to show us how to overcome our will and submit to God's will. Is he not? And that's where the disciples are going. So I say unto you again, if we hear our prayers, we recognize that our prayers indicate frequently that you and I are stuck. Oh, by the way, one of the things that this series is going to do, if I didn't tell you earlier, is it's going to actually identify many areas in your life where you're stuck. That's what this is about. The message is about an antidote to being stuck. An antidote to being stuck in your mind, stuck in your habits, stuck in your ways, stuck in your attitude, stuck in your emotional bents. This is what we're getting ready to deal with because a lot of times we're wanting to advance in certain things, but we're not admitting first and foremost that we're stuck. So we're going to be dealing with ruts, R-U-T. Ruts, ruts that are problematic for the believer. The rut of aimless routines. Don't that drive you crazy? Now, you know you're wasting your time. You know deep down inside you're going, what is all this about? Well, you you haven't talked to the father. You have not asked the father, should you be doing this? You didn't just got up and started doing something. And because maybe you can do it well, as you think. You keep doing it, but you don't experience any real spiritual edification or clarity. Now, spiritual edification is a reciprocal process that is both subjective and objective. What I mean by that, when you and I are operating in God's will, he always allows you to be a witness to bless somebody else with what you're doing. You don't ever get to own an operation in relationship to God where it's just you and him. You are called to be his witnesses. And by the way, when that happens in your life, you are so thankful that he reminded you that this ain't about you. This is about him. So then he takes your difficulty and your struggle, which you whine and moan and complain about, and he transforms you through it. And he puts in your pocket a gift 
that you don't even know because you've been whining and complaining all about it. And then he brings you up on somebody that's worse than you. And the Holy Ghost tells you to reach in your back pocket and you find an experience, an insight, a revelation that you're able to share with that other person because he took you through that trial. Am I making some sense? That's because he's more faithful to you than you are to him. And so we are dealing with some very important things. The rut of aimless routines, the rut of wrong and rotten thinking, the rut of false fears. See, there is a fear that's true and there's a fear that's false. There's an anger that's true and there's an anger that's false. And there are a lot of people trapped by false fears and they're trapped by false angers. You meet people, they're operating out of those one or two extremes. They either angry or fearful, full of anxiety and full of stress. And, ooh, ooh, right? That's, what, that's where people are because you haven't discerned whether or not the fear you have is from God or not. And a lot of people are angry and you haven't discerned whether or not that's righteous anger designed to be a fuel to drive you to get up. I love anger because when it's channeled right, you're going to get up. Or you're going to be like that lame man. One of our examples in John 5 sat there all his life. Justifying being there. This is called rotten, rut thinking. And he was only there because he had a bunch of other crazy people that was sitting there too. Misery loves company. Isn't God good to still come to a bunch of folk that love sitting in ruts? So I'll show you a bunch of examples because I want you to see them, but not here at a moment. This is really going to be true. This is why I say we're going to span. We're going to do almost a bibliology again, biblical uh, uh, sort of geographical run through the scripture. And you're going to see how Eve was in a rut, how Adam and Eve were in a rut, how Cain was in a rut. So you're going to meet some people who were in ruts that God had to try to help them get out of. You're going to meet some people like Noah. You're going to meet people like Abraham. You're going to meet people like Moses and David who when God said, arise, move and go, they did. And the world changed. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But we're going to press into it to learn their personality, their particular situation contextually, and see how God is saying the same thing to them that Jesus is saying to his 11, that he's saying to you and me right now. And I hope that it's going to be helpful for you because nothing is more liberating than to wake up every day being sure of what God wants you to do. Nothing is more liberating than to know what God wants you to do. So what I stated under point number one, as we begin to move forward, is that the spirit's purpose is to do what? Move you. This is second Peter chapter one twenty one. Now we use this in terms of uh, scriptural interpretation. This is an interpretation verse, but this applies because. Even the men of whom Peter is now speaking in second Peter one twenty one, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God, what spoke. Now I want you to get that. Holy men of God spake. That's the reason we have our Bible. But they didn't just speak. They arose, moved and went. Many of them had to actually go into scenarios 
where there was nothing but a bunch of vipers and snakes and then speak. Many of them had to endure extreme hardship in order to have a platform to speak. When we talk about the holy men of old who wrote the scripture, we're not talking about them sitting behind a desk at a computer. We are talking about them being in some of the most difficult and precarious situations that anyone could be. And then the Holy Ghost comes and says what? Arise, move and go. Have I not sent you? Haven't y'all been learning some of that in the book of Judges? Am I making sense? Are y'all seeing a map now that you can plop on the top of the whole of your Bible? This is what we call meta narrative theology. When you get your theology right, you can map it on top of the whole of scripture. And more than that, you can map it on top of your life. What's what's the point in coming to church if God doesn't speak to you? And so we're going to move to our second point here in a moment. But notice what it says in the last clause. Holy men of old spake as they were what? As they were what? Move. Now, here's the reason why you don't speak. You're not moved. I told you, you and I can't do anything without the help of the Holy Ghost. And that's why a lot of people's mouths are shut in a culture in which the world is daring you to be a real believer. It's daring you. Your job is daring you to be a real believer. And you need the Holy Ghost to be a real believer in a world that wants to do to you what it did to Jesus. Now, am I making some sense? Can I keep talking? This is so important. Okay, so then we understand that the role of the Spirit of God is to move us to follow Christ, to enter into his ministry, to suffer with him. And all of the things that come with those glorious promises. So under point number two, the primary act of movement is indeed to do what? All right, I know that sounds tautological. We use that term to say you're saying the same thing over again. No, I want to go deeper. I want to go a bit deeper. The role of the Spirit of God is to move us into following him because Jesus for us is the good shepherd. Listen to John 3, John 10, verse 3 and 4. I know you heard it before, but act like you never heard it. Listen to this. This is what Jesus says. He says, to to the good shepherd, to the true shepherd, not a thief and a robber, to the true shepherd, the porter opens the door. This is the person that watched the sheepfold, the pen where sheep were in at night to be protected from all of the wolves and predators while the shepherd went and took a nap or went and ate reprieve. Now, when he comes back, guess what? The porter opens to him. You and I one day were like sheep in the pen of predestination, not knowing Jesus, but him knowing us. There was a time when you were a lost sheep. Would you agree with me? But you weren't lost to God. You were lost to yourself. There was a time when God put you in the pen of providence where he let you be born where you were, lived where you were, grew up where you were, went through all the raggedy that you did, but it was still God's pen. In other words, God wouldn't let anything happen to you in that crazy pen of life because he had laid his hands on you and chose you in Christ. And one day Christ came in the gospel and the porter opened the door of your heart and you came out and you followed him as the good shepherd. That's what happened to me. I didn't know him. He knew me. And when he said, Jesse, follow me, 
As the hymn put it, I rose up, the chains fell off, and I followed him straightway by the grace of the living God. But see, what we're dealing with is the profound, intimate, and necessary relationship of a sheep with his what? I mean, a shepherd with a sheep. And we can say sheep with the shepherd, but notice this. The sheep hear whose voice? And he calls his own sheep by name. Now watch this. And he leads them out. That's what I mean. You got somewhere to go. You got somewhere to go. Look at verse four. Here it is. John 10, four. And when he puts forth his own sheep. Now I want you to take chapter 10, plop it down on chapter 14 and watch how Jesus is acting out this verse right now. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. Is that what Christ is doing? Is Christ going before them now? And he's telling them to do what? Follow me. Oh, I love it. Please hear me. He will never tell you to go anywhere where he hasn't already been. He will never tell you to do anything that he has not already done. He will never tell you to engage in any service that he does not equip you for in order for you to prevail. He is the good shepherd. The issue is whether or not we love him. And the conditions on love have already been given to us in chapter 14. Keep his commandments. Heed his sayings. That's, sub, that's point number two. Under it, I have a few fundamental subpoints. Subpoint A, this is simple. Sensitivity to his what? Now, I want to drill down into that. Sensitivity into his promptings. Now, you know you hard-headed. You know you don't listen well. You know you spend a good deal of time being stubborn when the Lord's speaking to you. You know it. You know that in many cases you condition your heart to not at all be moved by him cutting the lights on in your life and showing you the many ruts that you're in. You know it. I'm not going to raise my voice here because you know it. You are so stuck, you're not moved when he speaks to you. So when I talk about sensitivity to his prompting, The way Paul describes it in Romans chapter 8 is a profoundly connected relationship between you and the third person. Where the third person is so so effectually near you that you really can't get away from the fact that you know, even though you want to act like you don't know. But he knows everything. And I think for some Christians, that really is a bothersome that the paraclete, that the one who was sent to be the resident Lord, the one who ain't got nothing else to do but hang out with you. And some of us will say, Holy Ghost, ain't you got something else to do? Nope. I ain't got nothing else to do. Nope. I'm from eternity to eternity. I encompass heaven and earth. I feel heaven and earth. I ain't got nowhere to go. I'm hanging out with you. And listen and listen to the way he talks. Listen to it. For as many as are what of the spirit, this encompasses everything that I'm teaching you. Because you see, when you're walking with God, you're not sleepwalking. That's going to be one of our messages. 
When you're walking with God, you're not sleepwalking. See, this is where Calvinism becomes hyper and it doesn't honor God. It's always a reciprocation of God's will merging with your will to strengthen your will to do God's will. You're never not doing God's will, but God's doing your will for you so that God doing your will is doing God's will while you're not doing God's will. See, I'm not a postmodernist. I love rational, propositional, syllogistic, comprehensive, coherent thinking. And the Bible does too. When we say in Philippians 2.12, God works on us the will and to do, that means God's going to tell your butt up until you say, okay, Lord, it's time to go. Okay, okay, okay. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. Such people are the sons of God. We know that because we already have a prototype in who? Jesus. In fact, he's our archetype. We have the archetype. Christ followed his daddy, didn't he? And so it's extremely important for you to get this. Verse 15. Now watch what it says. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? That's a challenge in the year 2022. This is something I've been dealing with for two and a half years among us and abroad. This This usurpation of godly fear and the replacement of it with carnal, secular, humanistic, corporate, global, demonic fear. This is something I'm wrestling with with Christians because they say they know the Lord and they're trusting him. But it's evident that they're not. Am I making some sense? So, like, if you are a son or daughter of God, guess what? The Holy Ghost didn't give you that rut-type paralyzing, stuck in one place, going in circles, fear. The God, God doesn't do that. He doesn't give you the spirit of, of fear to lead you to bondage or the spirit of bondage. That word is slavery. Every believer in Christ has been liberated from the slavery of sin, the curse of the law, the wrath of God bondage to the carnal nature, you've been liberated. It's just whether or not you're going to walk in it. Am I making some sense? Whomsoever the son shall set free shall be free indeed. And so believers are liberated believers. Remember chapter eight opens up what? There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who do not submit to as a slave the flesh. Because that's what that word walk after means. It's a Hebraic phrase that means to be brought into captivity by a a king or a ruler. And he leads you like a slave, like Israel was led from Jerusalem to Babylon. Am I making some sense? All false gods will bring you into that kind of slavery. God liberates his people in order that they might walk with him. You have received the spirit of adoption by which you do what? You cry what? Oh, So Paul is about to take us to Matthew 26, where Jesus is about to take the disciples, is he not? Paul wants us to learn that real God-aided, spirit-aided prayer is always, Lord, your will be done. Did I make some sense right there? All right, I want to keep going for time's sake, because these things should not be argued by people at grace. Grace should already know these things in their, in their lives. So under point number two, the primary act of movement is to follow him sensible to his promptings. One more verse, verse 16. I'm sorry, go back, please. One more verse in Romans eight, verse 16. The spirit itself 
is constantly bearing witness with our spirit. Stop right there because you don't know what that means. I mean, this is a profound concept. Okay? This is a profound concept. So the third person is operating in your life, constantly keeping you in the parameters of redemptive experience. That's his job. He's constantly keeping you in the parameters of redemptive experience. That's his role. He, he is the, the pedagogue. The pedagogue raises the child to become a ruler at Lent. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.